the most embarrassing uh, celebrity encounter that I had was actually with Margaret Atwood. Um, oh. Yeah, who came to Guilford when I was uh, an undergrad there, and she, you know, gave gave a talk about her books. And afterwards, um, I had brought her book on writing. Um, she was doing a book signing, and I go to hand her the book, and she looks at me. She's like, "What's your name?" So she can sign the book, and I just I, I don't remember my name. <laughs> a dungeon master to come out in a velvet, a crushed velvet robe. Smoke everywhere. Yeah, and it's either black or maroon. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting the nod from our, our resident dungeon master. Okay, so we have to get him a crushed velvet maroon robe. He doesn't already have one? You could speak. Yeah, I didn't know I was allowed to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I was shaking my head emphatically. <laughs> We're recording this from the apartment live yeah. with our. Uh, oh, actually, let's get in. Let's get into. We haven't introduced the show at all. That's your job. Oh, that's my you job. Start that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, you know, I've taken on a new role as dungeon master, uh-huh. and I've really been neglecting the rest of my responsibilities. <laughs> hey guys, uh, welcome to I'm Trying, the show where dreams go to die, but you know we resurrect them sometimes. I like a D and D character. Do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Janelle Dennis. That's cool. And I'm Jacob <laughs> You know, when you get to a certain level, you don't have to introduce yourself. People just know who you are. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us <laughs> for episode number five. We're so glad you're here. Uh, it's 11.22 at night, and we're being goofballs. Uh, I <laughs> 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 a goofballs. <laughs> yeah, no, so uh, from if you could tell my, my roommate friend, Wolf, is a dungeon master for the Dungeons and Dragons game uh, that he runs with his friends and has been running for years now. And recently we've been kind of slowly trying to pull you into this little sphere of understanding. I can't believe you guys are pulling me in. It's it's fun and it's cool and it's an artistic expression. (laughs) It's cool and fun. It's fun and cool. Do, Do people, is that a thing? Do people say Dungeons and Dragons is cool? Yeah, well, now it's had a renaissance lately with the new edition, and there's all these shows now, like like you know, Critical Role because of like Wilfred L's been on it. Yeah, um, but people, the I don't think any of the listeners will know who Wilfred L is. Hey, listeners, do you know who Wilfred L is? Answer the poll on our Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it up back when, when this comes around. But um, yeah. yeah, no, you know, there's been this kind of like uprising of of D&D is like a pop culture thing again and so mm. these shows have like huge audiences all built around these campaigns these people are running and it can be super exciting and I feel like because of that mm. a lot of people are starting home games again I think there's a lot of misconceptions about D&D do you think it's about like resurrecting Satan or something <laughs> like all the Protestants in the 60s thought or something 70s yeah well, D&D was not around in the 60s, I assume. Was it not? I think 70s was I the first I thought it was from edition. 1908. 1908? Yeah. The first Dungeon and Dragon. <laughs> Don't you come from a long line of, of dungeon My dad, well, not masters? a long line. My dad was a dungeon master back in his day, and I, he would show me some of his, like, stuff. He, like, had old character sheets he would show me, and, like... Was it a chest that he'd have to blow dust off and then open it up? I think it was just, like, a... Like a folder. I don't know. <laughs> a manila there folder. There may have been dust on it. I can't remember. But he like showed me like the familiar he had and stuff. Yeah, that stuff's always stuck with me. And I think by becoming more popularized in pop culture, I've become more engrossed in it than I even was back then. You looking for something? Mm. Yeah. Okay, did you find it? 
I'm looking for uh, my sanity, and uh, I've lost it. I can't believe I'm going to be a part of this. We're going to make it happen. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do something. Also, I'm so nervous. We're going to make it happen. It's going to be fun. Do you have it to like what? What skills do you need to be a good Dungeons and Dragons player? Player. Imagination. Um, ima- pff, yes. Imagination sounds silly, but like imagination is like. If you can come up with creative solutions to those problems, like you're gonna get far. And I, hmm. I think you would agree with this, Wolf. Like, if 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 one of your players comes up with something really clever, like you're probably gonna reward that cleverness as the game master, right? Yeah, that's that's the ideal situation because it incentivizes them to get crazier later on. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a giant game of improv. It's all. It's a giant game of improv, exactly. So Dungeons and Dragons is whose line is it anyway? It's whose line is it anyway? But you have like swords and stuff. Ah, <laughs> but you don't kill people in Dungeons and Dragons. In real life, no. But in the game, you can you can murder and pillage. Have you have you witnessed a D and D murder? Yeah. Well, characters can die. Wow. Your, your character can die in D and D. You have health. Our dungeon master is leaning back in his chair, looking like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've yeah. seen some. I've yeah. Seen well, some just stuff. recently, one of his players uh, got a new character after their character died. Is that too sensitive to talk about? Or are we? Well, no. It was really cool because uh, I know Wolf. Uh, uh, like he started giving the option for when his players' characters, if they were in peril or they were gonna die or whatever, they, there's this option, and it's plenty of people do this, um, where they have they can do like one last heroic. Thing where they basically sacrifice themselves, but mm, in the process, blood sacrifice. Just like, just like, well, I think the situation with your last player was they were like inside of the creature and they sacrificed themselves to like swing at it five times or something to do like all this crazy damage that never could have done. And you're acting this out. Well, we're not like running around the room larping, but like it's, <laughs> it's in your head. It's like you're you're describing it. You're using your your mind. Larping your, for our, our some of our listeners that don't know what that is. That's live live action, action role playing. Play. Yeah, right? which is not as dirty as it sounds. And it's <laughs> um, no, this is like this is just you know you're sitting around a table and maybe you're like motioning or using a lot of people will use voices for their characters. Yeah. It's popular, but um, it's really just about how you describe things. And so it's not yeah. a card game. No, it's not a card game. It is a pen and paper game. You have a list of things you can do. You have all your stats, your equipment, those kinds of things. And it comes down to you to kind of keep track of what you can do, what you can't do, what you have, what you don't have, and and embark on a journey of, of storytelling and magic. And math, you guys were saying. Well, I mean, what? somewhat. I mean, you're rolling dice, you're adding numbers together. You're. Mm-hmm. It's not like you don't need to like pull out the Pythagorean theorem or anything for the newer game editions or anything. Mm-hmm. But it's no it protractors be- or. No, I don't think so. Not unless you have like a map that you're real specific about, Wolf. Is there a map? I don't think you have a map, right? Not in yours? Not in your game? I, I moved away from grid play a long time ago. I grid play? Mmm. Uh... <laughs> We're cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry, who edits the show? <laughs> Um, grid play it just refers into like having like small miniatures of the characters like on a field and like showing okay. the emotions that are going on and I think you're, I think I think when it's all in your head it gives you more freedom to kind of like play with what's going on it's less like restricted to an XYZ axis that you're just looking at you know it's, it's more it's more playful wow <laughs> oh can we do something I recently I found a it was a real life D and D stat generator. Have you seen this, Wolf? Oh, you sent it to me, but I didn't get to do it. Yeah, I think Janelle should do it. I did mine. Well, that would be funny to see. It. Wait, does it tell you stats or the class or what? It, it just stats. It's just it's it's oh, it's if you what? were a D and D character, stats. what would your stats be? Here are mine. Um, 
Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up so you can do it on my computer. My stats uh, were strength 9, intelligence 13, wisdom 14, dexterity 9. <laughs> Got a lot of 9s, man. A lot of 9s. Uh, con 8, charisma 14. So wisdom, charisma, intelligence, that sounds about charisma. right for me. Charisma. This is exactly like astrological charts, which okay, okay, Janelle. you don't believe in. Right, I'm going to hold the mic. You can jump in here. It's really easy. Okay. It's just a bunch of like pickup thing questions. Uh, here, you know what? I'll even I won't pause. I'll keep it running, but I'll, we'll we'll come back in a minute once uh, once this has been finished up. We'll talk okay. about pause it. Pause it. Okay. My stats are seven in strength. Oof. Is that low? Jesus Christ, your charisma, Janelle. Yeah, the strength. That's that. The lowest you can self-generate a stat in fifth edition is eight. What? So, she went below so that means I can't play. No, no, no. No, just you're weak as. <laughs> Charisma 17. Ooh. Jesus Christ. Oh, I wonder. Okay, this is going to be fun. Yeah, what are your stats? Okay, strength is seven. Um, what's the second one again? That's intelligence. Intelligence is 15. Woof. Wisdom. That's pretty good. Is that, oh, Wisdom is 14. not great though. Are, wisdom is 14. Your wisdom and intelligence are super high. Your dexterity. Is seven. Your dexterity and your strength are not good. Average, average for any stat is 10. Yeah. Uh, the baseline normal human in D&D is considered yeah. to be 10. 10. Uh, constitution. Eight. Which is not great. It's okay. It's what's constitution great. again? Like your ability your to like, take hits. Like little questions that oh, were not like. Oh, like, like health and stuff. And stuff. And yeah. your charisma's. So well, I wasn't deep. supposed to be born, so that's pretty good. <laughs> what? I wasn't supposed to be born. So all your physical stats aren't great, but your mental <laughs> stats are good. We're in the same boat. We're in the same. I, my, I was. Mine weren't as extreme as you. You have like extremes here. Like I, I didn't hit anything. About I'm weak. I'm weak, but people you're like me. You're very weak, but you're very charismatic, so and you're super smart. <laughs> Anyways, point of our of our show today. Uh, an old friend of mine, uh, Nicole Zellnicker. Uh, she is, I've known her for, we, we, we realized this today, we've known each other for 12 years, um, since, like, we went to camp together as kids, we talk about that on the show a little bit, uh, she is a journalist and an author, and she has her first published book coming out, it was her, it was her, her thesis at Columbia, yeah, and a publication wicked. liked it, and they said, you know what? We uh, want a book! We want a book! Uh, I believe it's called Mixed. Nicole is so smart. So lovely. So charming, so lovely, uh funny and she's not flaunting it she is she's she's yeah. the kind of funny that like you gotta listen because you'll miss it if you don't yeah and, and she she's she's just i i've always adored her and i still do and i'm glad she's killing it um it, career-wise academically she she rocks and yeah. i'm so happy she so humble out. too yeah, she's not yeah she's i mean i think we had to pry the columbia stories out of her yeah she's, you know she's uh and we got gosh. some work-related uh Fears and anxieties out of her, which was yeah. really interesting for me because my background or <laughs> current ground <laughs> is in HR and recruiting. Yeah. So it was really interesting to see Talk about you know, the, the job other fair side. process. Yeah, or inter- interview interviews scares. They are. I mean, me and, so- me and Nicole both have kind of varying forms of social anxiety, and uh, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's always nice to talk to someone else who comes from a different a different angle of it. I'd say we definitely have different different like. Anxiety is different for everybody. Yeah, um, I used to have social anxiety, but yeah, it's, yeah. it manifested itself very differently from both of you. Yeah, but and, but Nicole is just—I I don't know. Like you, growing up with her, you never would have known Nicole. I mean, she's yeah. she's to me, she's always just seemed like she kind of understood what was going on around her, and uh, whether that was true or not, whatever, man. She she gave off that air, and um, I, I've always appreciated her, and I'm, I'm glad she came on the show, and it means a lot to me, and. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was good to sit down and talk. Yeah, and she's she's a Gryffindor. She is a proud 
Gryffindor. She's got the tattoo and everything. It's it's pretty wonderful. This episode is so nerdy, and I love it. Oh yeah, we're we're, <laughs> we're doubling we're doubling down today. Uh, so, anyways, I hope you enjoy our episode with Nicole. Nicole, and, uh, here we go. I got into journalism in undergrad in college. Um, I went to Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina, and um, I had done creative writing. And there wasn't, at that time, really a creative writing space. So I joined the school newspaper uh, my first semester there, was really terrible at it, and just kept insisting that I should write for them until until I got good. Uh, Eventually, you know... um, What kind of stories were you doing at that newspaper? Fanfic. Uh, not fanfic. Um, <laughs> a lot of it, actually, I wrote a lot for the World of Nations section, so a lot of it was mm-hmm. um, outside news, um, but then also, you know, outside of that, it was a lot of community journalism because it was a college newspaper. Um, and after that, I applied to Columbia, went there for journalism grad school. Um, Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> you went from sucking at high, being a high school... College. Newspaper. Oh, yeah, college newspaper. First year of college. To Columbia grad school? <laughs> there, was, there were a couple years in between. <laughs> okay. um, but eventually made it onto the ed board. Was editor-in-chief when I left college, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like a total, you know. Um, and then... Um, <laughs> wasn't a fluke. No. <laughs> After Columbia, um, I started working at The Conversation, where I am now, which is um, a publication... Mm-hmm. Uh, written predominantly by academics uh, about their research. So, for example, if Trump declares that there will be a trade war on China, we find someone uh, who specializes in trade economics to write about what a tariff is, um, things like that. Interesting. She's good at what she does. <laughs> um, so Columbia every year has... Um, has a really big job fair in March, mm-hmm. and uh, there there are a whole bunch of publications. So uh, Harper's is there, and the New York Times, and uh, you know just these these you know kind of aspirational places. Condé Nast was one of those places that was there. And Condé Nast um, is New Yorker GQ. Yeah, GQ. Yeah. Um, yeah so they. Yeah. Um, I think they're Bon Appetit too. They they publish a lot. Yeah. Um, I like Bon Appetit. <laughs> <laughs> And um, <laughs> Hearst, I guess, would be one of the... Hearst was there. Yeah. yeah. Um, All the biggies. But when, So when I went up to Condé Nast, a lot of our interviews were scheduled. Uh, I didn't have a scheduled interview with Condé Nast, but I went during uh, one of their free periods. And I sat down with them, and they asked, you know, which of our publications do you read? And I sat down, um, and all of a sudden my mind just kind of went blank. Oh, no. Um, and it was like, what do you publish? And it was looking down at their table and looking at the magazine. <laughs> you know, the woman obviously can see me do that. Suddenly um, became dyslexic, couldn't read anything. Like, yeah. Oh, no. It was pretty brutal. And so I, you know, left that feeling pretty not good about so it. you couldn't come up with one on the spot? Uh, no, not on the spot. I can do it now. Um, <laughs> there's less pressure to do it, but... No worries now. Everything's fine. Um, but the, um... You know, afterwards, I went to go send them an email and and just send everyone an email who I had spoken with just to say thank you for meeting with me. Um, Sent them an an email thinking maybe I could still salvage this. You know, maybe there's a New Yorker job in my future or whatever. Uh, And the woman emails me back saying, uh, thank you for sending this. You spelled my name wrong. 
Um, oh. oh, that's a big thing. Yeah. So oh. I don't think I will ever work at Condé Nast. I continue to read, you know, their publications. Um, as, a, as a fan. As, as a fan. Um, but the, it'll be at least a few years before I get the courage to uh, even attempt to recover from that. It was such a weird moment for me because I'm such an organized person and just so, I mean... So it was nerves. It, it was totally nerves. And I had spent, you know, so much time preparing for it. And afterwards, I sent, you know, a couple dozen emails to people. I didn't spell a, a single. Great move. Yeah. Um, it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they yeah. definitely, you know, drilled that beforehand, um, you know, kind of like what. That's the etiquette. Yeah. Proper job fair etiquette was oh. um, at Columbia. And I, I sent, you know, dozens of emails after and I didn't spell a single other name wrong. Ugh. It's just the the universe doesn't want me to work for Condé yeah. Nast right now. <laughs> just double down in the same public. Yeah. Was it a hard to spell name? No. Oh, oh that's even worse. You don't need to say it. it was, yeah. Well, the thing now is that uh, the conversation, um, which I'm so incredibly lucky to have the job I do now, um, they are sending me in March to that same job fair to go recruit students. Full circle. Um, yeah. So it's a weird kind of. I don't, I don't know, I guess a 360, um, yeah. but yeah. What do you, I mean, <laughs> if Condé Nast is there. Oh, God. <laughs> they're going to fight. They're gonna fight. <laughs> I don't think they'll remember me, honestly. No. There were so many students. There are so many the students there The ironic thing is that now that you're working mm -hmm. at another company, that's when they're going to want you the most. Yeah, well, also. Companies always want to do that. Yeah. You know, I, it was such a big deal to me, and I'm sure that, you know, three days after I sent the email, you know, they they don't remember. I'm sure. Um, it's such, you know, and, and looking at it now from kind of the other perspective, I'll, I'll be meeting all these students. I don't know how I'm going to yeah. keep all those names straight, um, which is, you know, why they give us resumes. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah. a weird relationship because you're trying to sell yourself at the same time as the recruiter is trying to sell the company. Yeah. And it has to be a good match. Yeah, it's like the, the tables are... Yeah. That was the wrong analogy. <laughs> <laughs> the tables are turning. turning. The tables are all over the place. <laughs> There's tables everywhere. Tables They're all closed. broken. <laughs> They're all... I, I always see <laughs> I always see job interviews as like uh, or recruiting mm. as dating. Oh yeah. It basically is. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. it's like, it's even, it's Are like you a good match for us? Are you a good match? Yeah. yeah. You have to be aligned. You have to want the same things. And mm -hmm. that interview is a date. It, was it really, is. It was really awkward when I went to a job interview and all I wanted was a hookup. It was, really, <laughs> it was a weird moment. Just a short time gig. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is, isn't it? It's, it's seasonal. Yeah. Right. It's what the internship is. <laughs> the internship is the, that's a bad hookup. That's uh, Especially when it's unpaid. <laughs> That's right. That is correct. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. I remember as I was leaving one of those job fairs, I got a phone call. Yeah. On my cell phone. And we're all, like, all of us that are going back to school in this coach bus. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, what is this? And everybody, like, and it's this weird number that I don't know. And I'm like, I, I go, hello? And everyone around me goes quiet. Mm-hmm. And they all think it's someone from the job fair. The truth is, a few weeks prior, I, this was during John Stewart's last, like, I guess semester, last couple of months mm -hmm. at The Daily Show, and I had applied for an internship at The Daily Show. Mm. And they called me. 
and they called me and said, "Hey, we want hey Jake, we want to talk to you. Want to do an interview over the phone when you got when you got time?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and I go, oh, "How about this time? We just talk a little bit." And they go, "Okay, great. We'll, we'll call then." And I get on the phone, and everybody's looking at me on the coach bus. And they go, "Who was it?" And I go, "That was the Daily Show." <laughs> the entire bus goes, "Yeah!" Like just like hands up, just like freaking out, like applause yeah. and stuff. I didn't get it, but like it was still, <laughs> it was still very like. Was, but you got an interview. I did an interview yeah. with the Daily Show. Yeah, that's but impressive. It was cool, but like it was just, it, but at the same time, like it's the same effect of like you have this like gigantic mountain mm-hmm. that you have the opportunity to start summiting. Yes. And then when you in everybody's watching. Yes. You know what I mean? And then you blow it. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just like the sound of the air being let out of the balloon. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's so much worse. less also once once you have the job, you know, yeah. the I, I, you know, continue to make mistakes. Like I've forgotten my my swipe card to get into my office at work and you know, stupid things like that. But it just, it seems so much less of a big deal almost. Like, you still want to do a good job, obviously. Also, the Um, competition is gone. Yes. Um, But, you know, I know at work that I'm I'm giving it my all, and I know that, you know, my boss can see that and my my coworkers can see that, so it's less of a big deal when, you know, I have to call one of them being like, hey, can you let me in the building because I'm an idiot? But, it yeah, I'm I'm sure that the, the things that seems so big to me that I, you know, constantly feel like I'm messing up are probably not nearly as big of a deal to the people that I think. That's probably universal. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think everyone can agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of my biggest kind of non-adulty things is just my failure to make anything edible ever. Um, <laughs> are I, you seasoning your food? No. <laughs> I, well, okay, I, I try. <laughs> And then it just somehow tastes even more terrible, and I, I just can't. And my roommates make fun of me. One of them especially is this incredible cook. Um, oh, I, and I hate them already. <laughs> no, she's she's incredible. Um, she just, you know, what is much better at this thing than I am. And so, you know, every once in a while we'll have a meal, just my, my roommates and I. Um, and I'll have to save the leftovers for, you know, days because wow. I can't cook and this is delicious. Yeah. Well, um, you have a million restrictions to be fair. I do. For I'm, con- for yeah, I'm a vegan and I also have Crohn's disease. Oh, you're vegan. Um, yes. And she has Crohn's. Mm-hmm. So it's like. What can't you eat with Crohn's? Most things. Um, <laughs> it's similar to like IBS. Yeah. So Crohn's is like inflammation. This is, I don't know if this is a weird thing to talk about on no, your podcast, but it's happening. It's um, medical, yeah. I've been cool. hearing a lot about it. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know anything. You're, talk, you're talking to some uh, anxiety and narcolepsy over cool. here. You're clear, dude. You're clear. Oh yeah. Um, well, Crohn's <laughs> is essentially inflammation of the intestine. Um, so it's a lot of, uh, stomach related, uh, nonsense and, Uh, So it it really depends. Um, My mom has it also. So like I can eat certain things that she can't and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But for me, um, the reason I cut out dairy in the first place was the Crohn's. And then I ended up going completely vegan for ethical reasons. But then also things like uh, fruits with skins I have a hard time with or um, corn, uh, which is, you know, normal people shouldn't be eating it. It's really hard for us to digest, but it's harder for me. Um, I, I really should be yeah. a better cook because I have so many restrictions. And that's just, I, I just make a lot of undercooked pasta and peanut butter sandwiches. See, I think that gives you a free pass, though. Because Do you think you're, so? Yes, because you're vegan, it's so much harder. I'm going to tell that to make, people. Yeah, because with me, I just make things taste good by throwing cheese. Yeah. Uh, anything mm-hmm. meat. It, like, yeah. 
Daya makes a killer vegan mac and cheese, though. Who? Daya. Daya. It's it's this vegan yeah, um, vegan cheese brand. Uh, Again, the pasta tends to be undercooked when I make it. Is it a microwavable thing or is it? No, it's it's just mac and cheese. You boil the pasta Uh and it's like it's the box that comes with the pasta and the you know fake slimy cheese. And you're not celiac, though, right? No. Okay, so you Thank can God. have wheat and... So yes. basically, I mean, you joked with me once that, like, you, your diet is basically all the things that everyone else is cutting out. Yes. You're basically just <laughs> eating bread. Like, that's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone's Absolutely. afraid of carbs, you know, and they're like, fault. this yeah. is all I do! I had, a, I had uh, someone, um, a friend of a friend, once recommend uh, keto to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I looked at them, and I was like, I will starve. That is not. That is not a thing I can I do. I can't eat meat. I don't eat eggs. I, I yeah. bread. I got bread. I, I, I got bread. But bread. I think bread is healthy for your soul, and that's what I tell people that try to cut it out. So yeah, maybe maybe it's healthier for your body, but you know, my my spirit will be sad yeah. because bread. <laughs> I'm glad, you can. I'm glad you're not yeah. allergic to peanuts, though. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No. You know what sucks also mm-hmm. about not being able to cook well mm-hmm. is, um, you know, when you're trying to save money. Yeah. Because you buy all those ingredients and yes. you make something and it tastes like trash. <laughs> and then you just want to order it. And you Gordon Ramsay yourself. Yeah. You're like, this is disgusting. <laughs> you're a mm-hmm. failure. <laughs> I don't know, man. You've got a... You've got publications coming out. You're working. I do. I have a book coming out. Ah, Nicole! Yes. This is so exciting. Yeah. So, are, hold on. Like, uh, is there, are there, do you have any concerns about being a published author? I mean, like, um, it's kind of a cool thing. But, yes. Yeah. Uh, one of my biggest concerns is that, um, you know, I've talked to my publisher about um, advertising. So we've talked about social media. We've talked about different things. And, and uh, at one point he said to me, you know, we should set you up with interviews, and and I was like, uh, God no, um, I hate. I hate talking in front of people. I always think I'm gonna sound so stupid, and that's the biggest. Or um, you know, book signings. So um, my mom recently befriended this woman in Long Island City, um, who is looking for local authors in Queens to do book signings. Uh, so my mom called me and, and was like, you should definitely, uh, call this woman. Here's her number. Um, and there's about a 50, 50 chance that I'll actually do it because meeting people is scary and talking about things that I care about in front of lots of people is scary. Is this a social anxiety? Oh, definitely. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so in addition to the Crohn's, there's the anxiety, which <laughs> makes the Crohn's worse, which is a good time. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> this is just a cycle of pain. Oh, my yeah. Lord. My well, you're the class. expert of your book. Like, no one knows that book <laughs> better, than, better you, than, right. than you. Oh, yeah. I've read it for hours many times, so I it's, it's all in there. Um, Would it be, I mean, you're doing this. What is it about? This is a good step. Sorry, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just saying, like, this feels like it's a good step towards like, oh, yeah. being able to do interviews. Being on this podcast right yeah. now is terrifying. Yeah. Um, I get so that. that's, I it, get it's, that. it's a good, yeah. Hey, man. We're very intimate. Name of the show. Name I'm of the trying. Show. You're trying. I am trying. <laughs> yeah. But to, to answer your question, Janelle, it's, it's about race and mixed race families. Um, mm. So talking to, uh, families and individuals who are mixed, um, in addition to experts on race, on American history, on media. Um, so 
should definitely check it out. It's called Mixed, and it's a good time. You know we're going to. Of course we're going to. We're so excited. Yeah. I'm honestly, this is, I'm so excited for you. I mean, truly. <laughs> Thank it's, you. It's so cool. I, like, I, 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 I guess we, we, we talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I, when you're 14, we mm-hmm. have no idea what's going to come of us. No. Yeah. We have no clue what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're both, the fact that you are moving in such a, like, uh, uh, you're moving in a direction that actually means something. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's, uh, I hope so. That, no, wait, but truly. <laughs> so your direction is meaningless? <laughs> I mean, we're running a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're <laughs> running a podcast that's going to make, as someone out there is going to hear that, mm. you know, I can't make pasta and feel much better about I themselves. Hope so. So mm. I hope so. That's meaningful. It, perhaps. But also, I, 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 just, I don't know, I feel, feel a weird pride about you having a book out. I don't know why. I, <laughs> no, I'm not, I I'm not your dad. For some reason, I feel, <laughs> I feel a little bit of pride about that. That makes me feel yeah. great. And I appreciate I'm, it. Awesome. I mean, gosh, okay, good. Were there any moments in the writing? I mean, because originally it was just like a, it was a college work, right? It was just like... For a, grad school. It was my, yeah. my uh, grad school thesis, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like, that's an exhausting process. Yeah, writing mm-hmm. a book is brutal. Doesn't it take a Writing really a thesis long? is brutal. <laughs> like, and then turning it into a yeah. book is like, oh my God. Well, I got really lucky. This all just kind of came about really quickly. I yeah. sent in um, a, a part of the thesis, uh, which hadn't actually made it into the thesis. I had a lot more interviews than could actually fit into the the grad school thesis. And so I sent uh, one of those to um, the Nasiona, which at the time was, they were only a literary magazine. And um, they accepted the piece. They said they really liked it. I talked to them about the fact that I would maybe like to expand this into a, a book, um, a bigger project. And they uh, happened at that time to be starting to publish books. Um, and they said that they would be interested in checking out the rest of the manuscripts. So that's who I'm publishing with. Wow. So good. Were there any moments along the process of writing a thesis where you were just like going to toss the whole thing at the wall? Um, yes. Yeah. Do you remember what that was? (laughs) Um, I think it was mostly just, just a lot of self-doubt, you know, it's, it's something that, um, especially as a white person writing about race. Um, it's something that is an important thing for, you know, white people to think about and talk about. At the same time, it's something that I personally benefit a lot from, um, because white privilege is a thing. Um, and so, so that was, and my thesis advisor was white as well. So, um, you know, kind of checking my own privilege and, um, this this conversation took a turn for the a lot more serious, Please, but, yes. but you must um, have had a, a you must have felt some kind of mission at that mm-hmm. point, saying you know I am white, but these stories need to be told. Yeah, absolutely, and so much of it is also you know it shouldn't be on people of color to have to constantly reiterate Just to yeah. Yeah, yeah to people their their stories. So allowing people to tell these stories through. This publication was important. And even to just me. being asked, yeah, because mm-hmm. some of these people that you were interviewing, maybe yeah. You know. Well, that that was one of the things that really surprised me. You know, I, I thought going into it maybe that people would be a little resistant, and not a single person that I spoke to was. Everyone was actually really excited to talk about this. That's um, wicked. Yeah, it was really cool. When your anxiety is at its highest, mm-hmm. when your depression's at its highest, when you're mm-hmm. just not feeling it, when you've when you've realized you've whiffed that interview. Mm-hmm. That is there a certain thing you've come back to recently that's kind of helped you, you get out of the funk? Be media, it could be a show, it could be a yeah. song, it could be 
an activity. It could be a food, even though that's unlikely. Like, <laughs> With the crones, yeah. I mean, it could be chickpeas. I don't know. <laughs> I do it's like a, chickpeas. I think they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm a huge nerd, so I read a lot. Um, and that's we got been, ourselves a yeah. nerd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's always been kind of my go-to. Um, last year when I was in grad school at Columbia, I reread the entire Harry Potter series over spring break. <gasps> um, <laughs> yeah. Janelle's so, got a girl crush. <laughs> um, I'm always happy to, to talk about, you know, yeah. Harry Potter with yeah. a fellow I mean, you've got the tattoo. So. I do. Yeah. I, I do have a lion Harry tattoo. Harry Potter's not fantasy. It's like real life. <laughs> yeah. Well, our, my, my other roommate, John, is currently rereading the whole series. Yeah. I know, I know a couple people who are currently, like, for their New Year's resolution was, I want to reread the whole Harry Potter series. Interesting. Or, or read it for the first time. I wish I were like that. I just go on YouTube rabbit hole binges. Yeah. Uh, where they condense the whole, the whole <laughs> thing and be like, oh, did you know Voldemort was conceived out of a love spell and that's why he couldn't love? Well, that's in the books. That's canon. Yeah. Little things you might have missed. <laughs> I miss everything. Oh my gosh, you you really know this whole thing inside and out. Were you, I do. Were you with us when we like went to go see the movie with the camp trip? Oh, what was that? That was which which was one? Probably was I, that the sixth one? I can't remember. I think it, I think it was Half Blood Prince. It might have been. I think it was. Mm. It must have been. I, I just remember us all sitting in the back row together. <laughs> I just remember that image. That's yeah. what she couldn't named her book. Next. <laughs> what Half Blood Prince? <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> That's a good yeah. joke. I appreciate that. Joke. Thank you. Uh, oh, I mean, so so tell me about your love for Harry Potter. Why, why is it so? Why do you think it is? You look like a female Harry. I do. You look like you'd be Harry's daughter. Oh, interesting. Um, who would be the mom? You know what? I don't know. <laughs> we thought about this too much. <laughs> is, there, is there a certain reason it resonates with you? Is there a certain? Um, do you think you could pinpoint it, or is it just like so? I, I think it's a number of things. I think for one thing, you know, it just always kind of felt like coming home mm-hmm. rereading the series. It's something that you know is so kind of has gotten so much outside of itself, and it's just such kind of this big thing that you know when when you go back to it or reread it, it just kind of feels like it's enveloping you and giving you a hug. I saw actually um, puffs. Uh, in Manhattan, which is a Harry Potter spoof play about what the Hufflepuffs were doing while Harry was <laughs> at Hogwarts. Um, and the so, Hufflepuffs were like, not, you never really heard about them. No, right? it was Mine really was just like Cedric, Cedric right? yeah, yeah. Um, who is in the show. Um, of course. But the main character. He's not the main character, oh, yeah? but he's relevant because the, the central character is in Harry's year. You're right. You're right. Um, that was the one who uh, Robert Patter- Pattinson yeah, created the yes. movie, right? You're mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. I, um, I even got a little bit of this left in my brain. Like, yeah, there you go. You know more than me. I got some. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I mean, I, I watched all the movies and I read most of the books as a kid, but I was yeah. never like even close to Nicole's level. Like, yeah. I don't even. I remember, like, when the book came out, they were, like, giving copies out at the camp. Yeah, well... I remember that stuff. No, when the book came out, um, when we were 12, the yeah. last book came out, yeah. The Deathly Hallows, and they banned it at the camp. Oh, because they didn't want anyone getting, oh. like, spoiled, right? Yes. Oh, my God. Um, Wait, that's why? Yes. I was yeah. like, because of witchcraft. No. It was spoilers. No. <laughs> it was spoilers. spoilers. People were, like, upset. People were nervous mm-hmm. about spoilers. That's how big of a deal. Who was nervous about the spoilers? Everyone. If they brought it to the camp, wouldn't all of you be reading at the same time? Who's Maybe. Well, it was between sessions. I, I have a very clear memory of this because I left after the first session and demanded yeah. that 
my mom bring the book in the car. And <laughs> when she came and picked me up, she's like, oh, how was your whole summer? You know, like, I haven't seen you in a month. And I was like, oh, great. And sat oh. down in the back of the car. And <laughs> You're going to shut up. Crap, started to read the book. So this has really been your happy place forever, yeah. really. But so the thing about Puffs is that a little yeah, bit of yeah. relevant background, I don't cry at movies. I... The last time I cried at a movie, I think I was like three years old and figured out what happened to Bambi's mother, um, <laughs> who previously, according to my mother, um, had been out to tea with her friends. And when I was about three, she she decided to tell me the what actually happened. But um, no spoilers Whoa. for people that haven't seen no Bambi. For Bambi. <laughs> but fifty something years, right? Um, I just found myself sobbing at the end of Puffs. Wow. Um, for, like, no reason other than that it, um, you know, it was clearly made by people that really cared about the series mm-hmm. and really just put a lot of effort into this. And, and really, it, it felt like it was made for me. Um, and it was so incredible. Yeah. yeah. I actually got to meet Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, I went and saw um, Lifespan of a Fact on Broadway. Wow. Oh, um, I want to see that so bad. He was so nice, and he put up with all these people telling him that it was their birthday. It probably wasn't all those people's birthday. <laughs> it was a little ridiculous, um, but he, he was, was very this sweet. Was the theater? Yeah. This was after. He was just chilling there. No, he, he came out specifically to sign playbills. Yeah. But actually, a couple people had brought um, the books, the Harry Potter books, um, which, like, I kind of feel bad for this kid. Like, he just cannot escape no. the fact that he was Harry Potter. And I see him, you know, on stage or in movies, and he's an incredible actor. And, you know, incredible. during the duration of the film, I forget that he was Harry Potter. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, the Harry Potter man did great, you know? Harry Potter man did great. Normally, okay, so I'm usually pretty good at, like, I, I don't get nervous, um, you know, meeting famous people. That's not a big thing. Daniel Radcliffe was such an important part of my childhood that it felt a little different. Um, the most embarrassing uh, celebrity encounter that I had was actually with Margaret Atwood. Um, Whoa. Yeah, who came to Guilford when I was uh, an undergrad there. And she, you know, gave gave a talk about her books. And afterwards, um, I had brought her book on writing. Um, she was doing a book signing. And I go to hand her the book. And she looks at me. She's like, what's your name? So she can sign the book. And I just, I, I don't remember my name. <laughs> I look at her and I'm like, I, you're Margaret Atwood. Um, <laughs> And so it took me a couple seconds too long to remember that I am, in fact, called Nicole and that that was my name and she could use it to sign the book. (laughs) But otherwise, like, Army Hammer I met after um, uh, Straight White Men Mm. was fine. Um, But Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood, yeah. Follow Nicole on Instagram and Twitter at Nicole Zellnicker. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps word about the show spread like a magical spell. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to easily download new episodes. I'm Trying is hosted, edited, produced, and scored by Janelle Dennis and me, Jacob Derwin. Our cover art was created by the fabulous Sammy Kappa. See more of her work at SammyKappa.com. That's S-A-M-I-C-A-P-P-A.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at I'm Trying Show. And if you want, you can follow us individually at Janelle Dennis and Jacob Derwin. If you've screwed up or embarrassed yourself and are looking for help, or pity, reach out to us on Twitter or email at I'm Trying Show at gmail.com, and our team of crisis experts us. will be more than happy to assist you. We're reasonably happy. 
Thank you so much for listening. And in the words of Pasek and Paul, words fail, words fail. There's nothing I can say.